on the concept of the dating game. Bachelor number three, <laughs> wrong. Off comes that head. Yes, indeed. Uh, clearly, this sort of quiz and kill has put a major crimp in the princess's social life, and if you'll excuse me, has taken a rather large slice off the top of the local royal families. Anyway, among the crowd at the latest execution, this one of the Prince of Persia, is Timur. Timur is the old blind Tartar king and his son, the prince, Caliph. Timur and Caliph are in disguise because currently they are being pursued by enemies. So rather than wearing the finery of their office, they are wearing the clothes of peasants. Caliph, the young prince, is sickened and horrified by the spectacle of the prince of Persia's beheading. Just as he's about to spew the nastiest curses in the direction of the princess, he gets a clear look at her. And of course, he is utterly enraptured. He falls hopelessly and helplessly in love with this beautiful creature. He then mounts the platform, Caliph does. He strikes the great gong three times, indicating that he is to be the next challenger wishing to solve the riddles. Now, my friends, once again, we are left to ponder the native intelligence of post-adolescent princes, Caliph's smarts in particular. All right. It's just a story, so let's continue. And I will make a long story short for our purposes right now. Caliph indeed manages to solve the riddles. Turandot is appalled, and she begs her father not to force her to honor the agreement. Look, if nothing else, Dad, look at the way this guy is dressed, for goodness sake. Caliph offers that if she can discover who he is and what his name is before dawn, she will be freed from her vow, and he will allow himself to be beheaded. Again, one wonders about Caliph's intelligence, but he seems to know something that the rest of us do not. Her father, the emperor, agrees to this deal. Turandot commands that no one shall sleep until the stranger's name is discovered. And by the way, she tells the palace staff that if they don't discover the stranger's name, they will instead be beheaded, thus adding a little work incentive to the issue at hand. Caliph himself, of course, is utterly certain that he will be victorious. And this is what we call in the trade an aria opportunity. Caliph can sing about his confidence, sing about his position, sing about his joy at having solved the riddles. So, these are the words that the co-librettists, that is, the co-writers of this story, Giuseppe Adami and Renato Simoni, supplied to the composer Giacomo Puccini for this moment in the opera Turandot of 1924. Caliph sings, Nessun dorma, nessun dorma. No one shall sleep, no one shall sleep. You too, princess, in your cold room, are watching the stars which tremble with love and hope. But my secret lies hidden within me. No one will know my name. No, no, I will reveal it only on your lips when daylight breaks forth, and my kiss will break the silence which makes you mine. Meanwhile, off stage, we hear the women of Beijing singing, Nobody will know his name, and we will have to die, alas! die. Caliph sings again, depart, O night, quickly set stars, quickly set stars. At dawn, 
I will win, I will win, I will win, Vincero, Vincero, Vincero. And thus ends the aria. Now, here's the question we must ponder. How will Puccini set these words? It's up to Puccini to take these words and put them to music. So we say he's going to set the words. What words in the text will he use as his cue to create the mood of the following aria? For example, vincero, vincero, strident, victorious words. Should this be a strident victory march for Caliph? Well, it's a possibility if he takes the cue from vincero. How about Caliph's line, but my secret lies hidden within me? Well, if Puccini decides to use those words as his cue, this could be a sly and mysterious and quiet aria. Perhaps the offstage women.